AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. We end the week with corn, soybeans, and wheat higher. And the dollar under some pressure will start with a wide view on current happenings and narrow our focus to deliver the information you gotta have. Live from an oatmeal cookie Friday via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, I will chat with Dan Huber from the Huber Report. I'm your obstreperous broadcast host, Davis Michelson, filling in for Chip Flory. Now, don't worry, everyone. Chip is fine. This is a scheduled day off for Mr. Flory. He's, uh, you know what? He's doing stuff, you know? Don't worry about it. He'll be fine. He'll be back first thing Monday morning, ready to go, uh, wide-eyed, refreshed, I'm sure, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and whatnot. That's our chip. Look for him uh, Monday morning. In the meantime, I am privileged to speak with Mr. Dan Huber. I haven't talked to Dan in, I don't know how long. I really don't know. Uh, it's been far too long. Dan is a guy that uh, really thinks through these markets really well, thinks through what's moving. You know, one of the, the things that uh, we can ask Dan maybe is what what are we missing here, if anything? And I honestly believe if there's something to be missed, number one, <laughs> I, I am uh, first in line to miss it. Dan Huber would be the guy to fill it in and say, yeah, you're pretty close on that. But here, here's this detail that you maybe didn't think about. This is what Dan Huber brings to the table. We're going to talk about the markets, um, of course, that matter the most to you and uh, what we need to be doing about it here. Harvest is underway. It's it's hard to tell what yields are going to wind up being at the final. And there are some that, that are fearful that we won't find out until well into 2024 where usda at least puts the national average yields on the corn and the soybeans we're just going to have to wait and see in the meantime we still have to market these crops gang there's no way of getting around it um doing nothing is still a choice and sometimes that's the right thing to do but i want to find out from dan maybe where we should be thinking and even looking out into 2024 to uh to spring planting it's probably too soon to talk acreage and stuff like that uh, so I'll, we'll, if Dan wants to go there, we'll go there. Otherwise, uh, we'll we'll leave that discussion for another day. Uh, as I said, uh, markets generally higher. I got corn higher. I got soybeans up uh, more than twenty cents on the day, um, almost twenty three, twenty four cents across the board all the way out through the July. A uh, soybean meal was sharply higher. Bean oil under some pressure. And speaking of oil under pressure, look at the WTI, the front month December contract down a buck 48 today. The January contract down a dollar 51. The January 24 WTI contract now at $80.65. There's probably a price spike coming at some point here in the crude oil markets. Um, I'll go over fuels and fertilizers in the fourth segment. We'll, you know what? We'll talk about it then. We'll talk some diesel then. But we can talk energies with Dan too. So we'll we'll kind of lay a, a primer coat, primer if you like, and and go from there. So let's get to today's news where wheat futures were higher for the third consecutive day with spring wheat futures leading the charge to the upside. 
Support stemmed from weakness in the U.S. dollar. Russia trimmed its wheat export taxes, and Ukraine has harvested more than 67 million metric tons of grain and oil seeds. That's during the 23 harvest so far. Global competitiveness, however, continues to favor other exporting nations. December HRW wheat futures were two cents higher, 643 and one half. December SRW wheat gained seven cents to 572 and one half. December spring wheat closed at 721. That's up 10 and one quarter cents today. A little upward traction for the wheat futures here. Maybe we can hold on, but export, see, it's competitiveness. It's all about export demand and competitiveness right now. So we've, we've got to be careful what we wish for when it comes to pricing this wheat crop. Corn futures rebounded from overnight lows, which reached the lowest level since September 19. Followed through gains in soybean futures and a sharply weaker U.S. dollar supported corn futures in today's trade. The Labor Department reported non-farm payrolls increased 150,000 in October. That was sharply lower from a revised 297,000 in September. Unemployment rose 3.9% from 3.8% the prior month. The news indicated the Fed's monetary policy is working, giving further confidence that the tightening cycle has ended. As far as futures go, initial support for December futures, um, uh, initial support remains at 467 and a quarter. December corn futures, seven and one quarter cents higher, 477 and one quarter. March corn gained seven and one quarter to 492 and one quarter. May corn futures closed at 501 and one half, and that's up, you guessed it, seven and one quarter cents today. I'll press Dan a little bit on the, uh, the spreads here in a bit, but in case you didn't notice, the D's through May, none, all up seven and one quarter on the day the spreads didn't move and hey i uh i forgot the weekly changes for the wheat market so let's make sure and get those in um december hard red up <laughs> a whole half a cent december soft red wheat down three cents on the week and december corn futures down three and one half cents i thought we would have netted something on, in positive territory on the week for the december corn futures but down three and a half Soybean futures traded to the highest intraday level since September 18 as erratic weather in Brazil is heightening production concerns. USGA reported daily soybean sales of 131,150 metric tons for delivery to unknown destinations during the 23-24 marketing year. World Weather Inc. reports center west, center south, and northeastern Brazil rainfall should be erratic through November 17 with temperatures throughout the country expected to be warmer than usual through the next two weeks. Here at home, January soybeans closed above the 100-day moving average, knocking out additional resistance at 1348 and three quarters. All told, January beans were 23 and one half cents higher, 1351 and three quarters. March beans added 24 and one half cents to 1366 and one half. May beans closed at 1379, and that's up 24 and one quarter cents. On the day, again, the spreads didn't move here too much in the soybeans. Uh, November beans closed at 1327 and one half, and that contract is up 30 and one quarter cents on the week. December cotton today sagged 18 points to 79.62 on the week, down 476 points on your December cotton. On the livestock side, cash cattle negotiations have been slow to develop this week. While packers and feedlots work to find a price that will entice sales, price action in futures yesterday suggests traders believe cash prices will eventually trade at higher levels. But given cash market uncertainty, the path of least resistance was down for cattle today. December live cattle down 80 cents, 183.87 and one half. The February contract uh, down $1.20 to 185.22 and one half.
November feeder futures down 202 and one half today to close at 240.60. And on the week, your December fat cattle are actually up a buck 65. And look out for the November feeders up $3.70 on the week. And on the snout side, after rushing higher yesterday, corrective action was a weight on lean hog futures. Traders anticipate a seasonal low in the CME lean hog index will arrive soon. December hogs were a buck fifty and one half lower, seventy one seventy five. February hogs down seventy five cents to close at seventy five forty seven and one half today. And on the week, your December lean hog contract, hey looky there, up one dollar twenty seven and one half cents to seventy one seventy five. That is today's news. Um, we, maybe we'll start with the economy. I've included that with our corn news this afternoon. Uh, you got some non-farm payrolls and whatnot. Um, the unemployment rate's up a tenth of a percentage point. Maybe we start there. Just like see how how big of a deal this really is to the commodity world. I'm your pal Davis Michelson on a Friday edition of AgriTalk. Glad that you've chosen to spend some time with us today. Stick around through these words. Join me in talking to Dan Huber next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Hope it's going well for you today. If it's not, maybe things will pick up. There's time yet. Day ain't over yet. Hang in there, everybody. Uh, glad that you've tuned in. Uh, Chip is out. Davis Michelson in behind the big green leafy microphone of Agritalk with you. And now uh, allow me to bring in Dan Huber. Dan? Uh, welcome to AgriTalk. It's been far too long since we spoke, my man. How are you? Very well, very well. Thanks for having me here. Yes, it does seem like it's been a little while. So, yeah. well, and that that being the case, we may have picked up a new listener or two along the way somewhere. Tell us about Dan Huber. What are you up to these days? What's your story, dude? Well, I guess not a lot of change with Dan Huber. You know, still publish a, a the Huber Report, so uh, on, a, on a daily basis. So, uh, outside of that, you know, you do get to travel around the country here and there. So, it, uh, you know, of uh, course, even in the summertime, cut across North Dakota and came back through Iowa, Nebraska, saw some of the growing crops, and I'm um, going to head over to South Dakota here in about a week from now. So, it uh, be interesting to see how harvest is going out through Minnesota and Nebraska or in, in uh, South Dakota. But you know, I said I can't expect to find a whole lot of corn left. But you know, certainly there's probably going to be some some field straggle around here and there yet. So, for sure, for sure. And your 
your immediate vicinity is in what part of the country? I am located in about almost directly 60 miles west of Chicago. Uh, and I actually reside in my office here is in Sycamore, Illinois, but most people are more familiar with DeKalb, of course, with the uh, the uh, DeKalb brand seed was, uh, of course, founded here and uh, was a mainstay for this community for many, many years until uh, Monsanto you know, finally moved the headquarters out elsewhere. And, of course, that's had gone through a few more changes since that time. So, yeah. In uh... – in your travels, can you? What are you hearing on the crops? What? How are the folks that you've spoken to feeling about this year's harvest? You know, certainly uh, in this neck of the woods, I uh, truly I think many have been uh, very pleasantly surprised. Uh, bean bean yields probably pretty pretty much what was expected. Uh, you know, good good yields. I mean, certainly not you know blow your blow the lid off type of thing, but. Uh, but but good solid yields corn. I, I think people are a little bit more surprised. They didn't think it was going to be all that that uh, great. Uh, you know, maybe some thought the early harvest to be better than late. But so far, for most people I've spoken with, it's been very solid from front to finish. So uh, you know, very happy there. You know, downstate, uh, you know, not not as much. You know, just a little bit tougher weather down there. I heard uh, you know here here get too. Some of the earlier planted pr- uh, crops did better. Uh, later, later planted, not so good, or yeah, you know, not disastrous by any means, but I mean, certainly uh, that's going to be bin buster type of things. Uh, to the, uh, you know, again, of course, you're in Iowa, but I guess what I saw in Iowa and for people I spoke with, western side of the state, yeah, okay, you know, we're, we're going to be another crop, but uh, you know, certainly not a great one. Eastern side, northeastern side, uh, pretty respectable. So, and, and same out in Nebraska, boy, some of the some of the toughest corn I saw. Uh, traveling over the summertime without uh, within Nebraska. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely a tough year out west there, especially in Nebraska. Uh, some surprising numbers coming out though. So uh, we we wish them all the best on on that there, Dan. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. for sure. Um, how we're in agriculture. I don't need to tell you that. How much do we concern ourselves sure. with the labor department's non farm payrolls? Well, you know, I, I, I think, you know, t- sometimes people tend to overlook that, you know, with the influence that does have. And, I, you know, I think particularly when it comes to money flow, uh, you, you know, you, you have to look at everything because, I mean, there is a, there's a certain influence there on, of course, what people are spending money on or, or what they can spend money on. Uh, but even more so when it comes to markets, you know, money moves between different markets. It's always going to be starting to trying to look for the best return. And, you know, one of the realities of, of making markets move is, you know, you have to have participation. And, you know, for, well, gosh, you know, I've been in this business for, you know, 40 some years. And, you know, there's always people cussing out the speculators, but boy, you know, we, it'd be a sad case without them, you know. So it's, I mean, they are there. They're the ones that provide us with the uh, the rallies when they come more often. And I think many traders would, you know, prefer to be on the buy side than the sell side. It's just, you know, it's kind of a difficult concept for some people to grasp. Yeah. But it's, you know, when that, when that money's being attracted to uh, financial instruments, to the equity markets, uh, to gold, to Bitcoin, whatever the case may be, you know that that's competing for money that could be in the commodity sector. So it's, uh, you know, the, the, they always they all work hand in hand. So certainly you got to stay on top of those things. So uh, and of course the numbers came out today, you know, show finally showing us somewhat of a slowdown, uh, but you know, not, you know, not dramatically more than expected. Uh, you know, 150,000 people is still not a. Uh, it, it, it's you know I, I look back, it's the second lowest. 
figure since December of uh, 2020, you know, so it's, it's happening, but well, you know, the, the bigger, the, the more people there are employed as a percentage of the population, mm-hmm. you know, you have to see a slowdown that way. It just can't keep going on on that, that greater growth. And I think I, I, I looked it up here and I think we have what nearly, oh gosh, what was the number? Nearly uh, 157 million people employed in this country. Ooh, you yeah. know, that, that's a, yep, yeah. that it's a lot of people yep. working, you know, that's, that's, it's a record, you know, I, if you even go back to just before the, the, the big pandemic uh, wipeout, there was 152, just over 152 million. So I mean, yeah, we look at, we have a record number of people employed in this country, which is a record amount of buying power. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of those things, of course, fit into the overall economic picture. So This is almost starting, <laughs> this is almost starting to feel like a soft landing. Dan, uh, you know, Chip and I talked about, and we have people come through our AgriTalk doors here saying we need to, you know, it needs to hurt to, to slow this economy down. And we need more pain in this economy. Um, right. It, is there just the right amount of pain and pleasure in this economy to sort of ease us into that soft landing? You know, I, I guess I kind of tend to uh, sit in the camp that believes that. And, you know, and I think there's two things that happen that have happened in, in you know, unfortunately, one of them in our lifetime. But I mean, you know, they're they're all they're interrelated with each other. And one is a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nobody alive who went through a pandemic like that. I mean, no, there's nobody around that could say, yeah, I can remember the markets back in 1918 after the after the Spanish flu and this is what happened, you know, but it it had an impact. And I think we have not yet really quite figured out what all that did as far as shifting consumer patterns and related to that directly, the trillions of dollars that we stuffed into the economy, trying to counteract the effects of that. And yes, I mean, we know it's well, the deficit, uh, you know, I mean, those kind of things are going to have to be dealt with at some time if the economy doesn't continue to to uh, it's going to have to be dealt with, period. I mean, even, even with economic growth, you know, it's you know, we, we need to balance that out at some point in time. But, you know, what did that do to make that or possibly create that soft landing? And I think that's a, a real possibility that it did. And we're just mm-hmm. not going to see the uh, the hard crash and, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten percent unemployment. Yeah. as you would normally after a situation like this. So, Well, and we've heard uh, consumer credit card debt uh, breached a trillion dollars. This is going on a, on a month ago now. Sure. Uh, how much right, power right. does does a, does a credit card debt of that level have in maybe softening that landing? Well, I mean, if inflation were super bad, nobody's buying anything. Now we got real problems, right? right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and tying into that, too, you know, we've really seen savings spent down very dramatically, you know, so yeah. you could you could build a case that's saying, all right, we're more leveraged. Uh, we don't have the uh, the kitty to, to dip into to uh, to kind of soften the blow if things turn sour. And, you know, and again, that's still a concern. I mean, if we did really see unemployment. Uh, really start to click higher. I mean, a tenth last month, I mean, it's pretty much negligible. But, you know, yeah, there's concern that people would get into trouble rather quickly. But, you know, when you when you turn around and then look at that credit card debt, as far as how people are doing in payments, Mm -hmm. um, you know, late payments and those type of things, you know, not many warning signs out there yet. Yeah, the the numbers are big, but here again, too, you know, when you've got these, this many people working, uh, wages continuing to climb, you know, they can service that debt if they, as long as they can continue to uh, keep their jobs. 
Well, and we uh, we may see a real-world test of servicing that debt after Christmas. I don't imagine credit card balances are going to get smaller from here yeah. through the end of the year, sir. No, no, no. Yeah, most most certainly. This is that time of the year where, uh, yes, we uh, we love to get out there and make things happen. So it's uh, you know, and I kind of always, always remember the old uh, the you know, the old Fred Flintstone line about you know charge it. You know, so it's mm-hmm. uh, we're at that time where the where the people people are going to be using those cards pretty readily. So we yes, we absolutely are, and uh, we may have to we're going to talk markets in the in the next seg. But dude. Uh, it's almost sure. like revenge spending just kind of became part of the consumer's DNA coming out of the pandemic and then just never really completely stopped. Well, you know, the, uh, you know, I think part of the reality is, you know, when you were in the pandemic, you know, what did you do? You got on your computer, you look at things. Yeah. Well, it became so much easier to, uh, yeah, I think I'd like this. You know, I think I can, I can, yeah, I can afford this. Well, it's hard to kind of get out of that mindset once you get into it. So I, th- I think we're still dealing with the, the after effects of that. So uh, which, which, you know, when the economy seventy percent driven by consumers, you know, that's yeah. good for the economy. Yeah, yeah. Boy, you said a mouthful, man. It's easy to point and click, and they just bring it right to your door in a couple of days. It's oh, absolutely. Uh, it's pretty absolutely. nice, pretty sweet. Dan Huber is my guest. Uh, We're going to recap the markets, share a few words, and then uh, be right back with you. Stick around. Let's go to the markets page at ProPharma.com and check today's closes where December hard red winter wheat futures were two cents higher, 643 and one half. December SRW wheat gained seven cents to 572 and one half. December corn futures were seven and one quarter cents higher at 477 and one quarter. March corn gained seven and one quarter cents to four ninety-two and one quarter. January soybean futures twenty-three and one half cents higher today, thirteen fifty-one and three quarters. March beans added twenty-four and one half cents to thirteen sixty-six and one half. December cotton down eighteen points seventy-nine sixty-two. December fat cattle futures fell eighty cents to one eighty-three eighty-seven and one half. November feeders off two oh two and a half to two forty sixty. And December lean hogs one dollar fifty cents and one half lower at seventy one seventy five. Get market news every market day at tryprofarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal Davis Michelson here on a Friday. So glad you've tuned in here for this conversation with Dan Huber. 
Um, yeah, let's bring him back in. Dan, uh, welcome to AgriTalk. So yes. glad to have you on, buddy. Uh, I promised the listeners during the news that, that I would press you a little bit on the corn spreads. I honestly don't know if you're a big spread guy or not, but I'm looking at the Dece, the March, and the May, all up mm-hmm. seven and one quarter cents today. And that's sure. kind of been a pattern. The, you know, the front month contracts flying in formation. Is there something to be learned or to be done about it? Well, uh, I don't know if you can do much about it. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this is the time of the year, of course, when you, or I should say, this is the point of the calendar year where the marketing year where we have most supply we're going to have all year long. I mean, there's no two ways about it. We've got, we brought whatever the carry in was with the new harvest. So if the market, um, unless there is just some extreme demand out there, you're going to have carry, which is exactly what we have. So it's a giving you incentive to uh, basically keep keep grain off the market here at this point in time. We're going to pay you X amount to store it to March, May, June, July, whatever the case may be. But I think the uh, the thing to keep in perspective there is one that's saying we've got a supply market. You know that that's not necessarily a bullish scenario to begin with. And number two is when you look at that that premium to the deferred months. There's your risk. So, I mean, if, if you're sitting there unpriced or you're, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not saying you have to price today, but I mean, I think we're, we're still in a, if we're in a supply side market, that means rallies are going to be somewhat limited, you know, in, in the greater scheme of things. So if you've got a, in the case of corn, we've got a 32, 33 cent spread to July. Well, there's your risk. I mean, if you sit on corn between now and July, you've got, a, you've got immediately a, a 30 cent risk to the downside that you could give up if you're not, you know, making those sales to reward that carry in the market. So, uh, mm. and, and similar situation in the beans. I mean, we've got a little more demand in the beans, although that could, you know, even last week, look at the export sales, you know, good, good export sales, still over yeah. a million metric tons, 96% of them to one customer. Mm. You know, I mean, if, if your business has 96% of your business is to one customer, that's probably not a great situation because that customer is going to be always looking around elsewhere. And we know we know China is going to be certainly moving to South America. And I, I think right now they're just kind of hedging their bet. You know, they're buying enough beans mm-hmm. from the U.S. to carry them out into the first of the year when uh, South American beans will be available again. And yeah, we have the uncertainty of what that South American crop is going to be. You know, certainly not starting out perfect, but, you know, what, what year does. But unless there's a disaster there, I also think you're looking at, you know, a limited a limited gain in the soybean market, maybe even more so limited than the corn, considering it's, it's been rallying here over the last 30 days where the corn has done just the opposite. Uh, so, it, you know, another 20, 20, 30 cents higher could, could kind of cap off that bean market. Then if you add that spread in there, you know, from uh, uh, up to the July beans, you know, you've, you've got that much more risk if you were sitting there with them price beans at this point in time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, we were talking with Ed Usset from the University of Minnesota, and he had he said something that I've been rolling mm-hmm. around in my head, and it's probably, you know, Ag Econ 101, but his comment was, wide carry is a beacon for a bear market. And to me, that that makes oh, an yeah, awful absolutely. lot of sense yeah. and draws a number of ideas together, not the least of which is what you're saying here. If you're seeing that carry out there, hey, you, you might want to take advantage because it might be a bug light for a bear market. You need to, you need to reward the carry in the market. So it's, a, you know, you know and, and again, there's ultimately a lot of different ways you can do that. I mean, you could, you could turn around and sell 
those deferred contracts right now. And if you're still bullish, buy a call option. You know, play the play the call option, or or, or you, you know, and again, I guess I it's it's uh, an inverted market. Of course, just the opposite. That's a bullish market. You know, there's demand out there that's carrying you forward. It's trying to say get your product into the market as soon because we need it right now. Right now, they're saying just the opposite. Yeah, we don't really need what you have out there. We'll give you incentive to carry it because it's you know we we just assume you you hang on to it, and have the expense and the risk of uh, you know going out of condition and all those kind of things. Yeah, we'll pay you a little premium for it down the road, but you know that doesn't necessarily mean that higher prices down the road. It just means you you can get get a rewarded for putting it in the bin right at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I had had in my notes here to ask you if if uh, you favor marketing into twenty twenty four. I think we just answered that question, didn't we? <laughs> Yes, 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 I do. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and, and again, you know, right now, the you know, of course, the million dollar question is: Do you know is there going to be really a major serious problem in Brazil, particularly? And, you know, okay, there's a few. Even Dr. Cadernier took his bean uh, number down to 660 million metric mm-hmm. ton last month, but still 160 million metric tons. I mean, right. it's still a very sizable crop coming out of South America. So it's it's a uh, uh, you know, like you say, things are going to have to really, really continue to be bad to uh, to change the d- dynamics of this world market right at this point in time. And, you know, similar in corn. All right. You know, we knew we have a little problem with Brazilian corn. This The second crop could be a little bit delayed in planting. But, you know, finally, things are starting to look a little bit better for the Argentine farmers. So it's, you know, that, mm-hmm. that could help the, uh, you know, fill a few holes in there if, if that really turns out to be the case. Well, there have been enough people lamenting uh, China's interest in Brazilian product, uh, mm-hmm. but Brazil had a good year this year, you know, productivity-wise. Well, yeah. And and I think it's it's dangerous for us to assume that that's a permanent condition, and yet at the same time we got to keep an eye on it. What? Where oh, would, sure, where would sure. you fall yeah, on yeah, that no, continuum? Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Well, they're, I mean, they're not going to back off. I mean, it was, you know, particularly with the dollar continuing to remain as strong as it is, that gives the Brazil all the incentive in the world to uh, to continue to expand production. Uh, you know, and granted, I mean, they're they're going to be uh, subject to weather issues just like everybody else in the world is. But I mean, they they continue to find ways to uh, expand acreage. They continue to find ways to continue to push their their productivity up as far as yield and fertilizers and those kind of things. So. Uh, you know they're 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 certainly not going to go away and 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 again I mean everybody wants the piece of the Chinese pie you know at this point in time Brazil is getting the bigger chunk of it and and probably will for the foreseeable future but it's a you know we've we've been a residual supplier of wheat for for decades you know we to a large extent we're a residual supplier for corn and you know there could be a point where it's uh, we we fall into that category in soybeans as well. Hmm. Hmm. Um. <laughs> Is the wheat market doing what you think it ought to be doing right now? We're higher today. I, I, I believe so. You know, I, yeah. I, I think we, uh, you know, wheat, and I, I want to lump them together. I mean, wheat, I think, yeah. probably, uh, you know, granted, it's Kansas City especially, you know, it pushed into some new lows this week and then finally saw a turnaround. You know, when you look at the uh, the position of the large spec right at this point, they are heavily short uh, corn. They're heavily short wheat. I think we just reached that point where, you know, we, we were leaning too far in that direction, and, and it's time for a rebound. So uh, now, is it going to be, a, like I say, a major move? I, I don't think so. But, I mean, I think, you know, it, this this almost looks like one of those classic years. Uh, you, you know, you had your, you know, your seasonal move down into what, you know, harvest time for corn and soybeans. 
Now, could we uh, get a rebound or a, a post-harvest rally up into Thanksgiving? You know, it seems to be, uh, it doesn't seem to be too far stretched to, uh, to to think there could be a possibility this year. All right. All right. Uh, can we talk just a little bit of livestock while we still have time? Certainly. Certainly. Okay. Um, fat and feeder cattle under pressure today, but corn higher. So a, a tertiary glance would, would say, well, that makes sense. What What are you looking at in right. the cattle complex? <laughs> You know, certainly in the uh, in the feeders, you know, I think they, uh, you know, of course, have enjoyed uh, some some strength here with the with the corn market down. But you know, if if uh, if corn, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge rally, but you could you could knock that off. Although you know, good placements good placements last month, but I mean, that's certainly not a great picture on the uh, the fat market. Boy, I, the the action we've seen, you know, particularly in the last three to four weeks in the cattle market, I think is very very indicative of a peak. And you know, granted, it, it seems like that's been a long time coming. I mean, this market is really was a was a bull market right up until September. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, saw a correction of the downside. I think it's large enough. It probably told us that, that the the big peak is in there. And you know, how how could we not? You know, when we start looking at the uh, the competitiveness of beef at the retail counter versus pork or, or chicken, so I, I think the you know, the heyday is over there. In fact, I think that reversal today. That we witnessed in December, cattle probably was uh, kind of the last hurrah for this rally, and and uh, we're 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 probably down into the end of the year here now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, the November feeder contract, even the Jan at just call it at at two forty, that's nothing to sneeze at, even oh, if we go sad. down from here. Oh, oh. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, you know, granted, I mean, we're we're well off some of the the big big numbers back in September, sure. October there, but but certainly, you know, that is that is not exactly uh, uh, you know starvation type of prices for the for yeah. the people with the feeder cattle out there. So it's uh, yeah. but but here again too, I mean, if, if the fats are under pressure, if you've got grains moving up, you know, not a not a great uh, not a great combination to uh, call for any higher prices from here. Right. Right. Uh, lean hogs looking for that seasonal bottom. Um, apparently didn't find it today. <laughs> no, although, uh, you know, I, I actually great, great response here over the last you know, two weeks, three weeks, I guess, you know, of course, I mean, and the hogs were being punished right into early October or well, yeah. maybe really mid to late October, you know, which is really kind of a very seasonal move there as well. Uh, interestingly enough, when you look at the the hogs, I mean, just, just the December hogs, I was kind of noticing that this morning, you know, the last time we were at the current price level, we got to the 73 cent mark was on the uh, 6th of October. Ten days later, we're down to 65 cents, huh. you know, from that 73 yep. cent range. Well, today's 10 days up. You know, we went right back to the same price. So it, uh, it you know, that, that's pretty indicative of a market that's probably, you know, enough's enough to the downside. Or, you know, yep. this first rally, you know, that may stretch it as far as we can. But I think the overall picture tends to look a little bit brighter there than it does on the, the cattle side at this point. Dan, the clock is ticking. I'm going to have to cut you loose with that. Brother, I appreciate your time today and your insights. Um, Check out Dan Huber and the Huber Report. Thanks, Dan. Thanks very much. You bet. Uh, We're going to come back, and I'm going to breathe some life into the Friday Farm Fuels and Fertilizer Report. Yeah, you heard me. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Ill-timed newsman. I don't think there's going to be time for any calls unless it's really good. Like if it's really good. Give us a call. Davis Michelson here on AgriTalk. Wrap it up. A busy week here at AgriTalk and everywhere else, really. Uh, Chip Flory is gone. He's not here today. He'll be back Monday. Everything is normal. It's okay. Um, you know what? There's enough fertilizer news, and I'll give you an update on prices, too. Uh, we're going to revive the Friday Farm Fuels and Fertilizer Report. I forgot what I used to say at this part, but doggone it, it's the Friday Farm Fuels and Floriless Fertilizer Report. Right here on AgriTalk, we're going to start with some news. This from the U.S. Department of Commerce. Today, it announces it's going to lower duties placed on phosphate fertilizers imported from Morocco from, get this, from 19.97% all the way down to 2.12%. The decision comes after the Department of Commerce conducted an administrative review of the duties performed annually by retroactively examining the price, yada, 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 national corn growers applauded the decision, calling it a big win for corn growers. You might remember uh, Russia and Morocco were both subjected after some litigation to uh, to duties on exports of phosphates. Now, uh, a lot was made of the fact that Morocco is getting a break on those export duties for their phosphate fertilizers. No word whether or not Russia is. And uh, it's <laughs> probably a stretch to, to, to think the Department of Commerce would uh, lower the duties on Russian fertilizer exports. Meanwhile, the White House has announced over $653 million in awards for port infrastructure projects spanning 26 states and territories, part of an effort to fortify supply chains. Um, The Iowa Corn Growers Association have developed language they'd like added to the upcoming farm bill that would review competition and transparency in the fertilizer industry. That would be an interesting add to the farm bill. Uh, and let's go, uh, let's skip over to fuels on the highway diesel. After rising 10.1 cents per gallon last week, the U.S. average highway diesel fuel price dropped 9.1 cents this week. For the weekend at October 30, the U.S. average weekly diesel price for on highway was 4.45 per gallon. That's 86.3 cents behind the same time last year. Diesel's average price fell in all 10 regions in the Energy Information Administration's weekly survey. That's where we are on uh, the news regarding fuels and fertilizers, but I'm guessing the news you really want is how the prices behaved. 
I've got uh, an update here from USDA that marks changes over the last two weeks of data in Iowa and Illinois, and I've averaged them for you here. So our Midwestern average on anhydrous ammonia, as of uh, just yesterday, they updated the numbers. Uh, currently, the average between Iowa and Illinois on anhydrous ammonia, $811.37. That's an increase of seventy-two fifty-eight over the uh, the last two weeks since USDA's most recent report. Anhydrous above 800 bucks here again. DAP, diammonium phosphate, 705.86. That's up 13.57 over the period. MAP is up as well, only $3 higher in the most recent report from USDA, 762.07 per short ton. Gentle potash came in at 506.29. That's up $8.91 from the most recent report. Uh, UAN, 28% at 366.50 is up $3.30. 32% at 392.67, unchanged. Urea was the only decliner in our fertilizers, down $4.30 to 5.62 and 20 per short ton. We talked about the uh, highway diesel. Here's your ruby red number two farm diesel. We're up six cents on the week between Iowa and Illinois to an average between those two states of $3.80 per gallon. Liquid propane unchanged on the week at a buck fifty-four per gallon. Now, once again, I will remind for uh, you new listeners, or maybe you ha- you you don't even know what the Friday Farm Fuels and Fertilizer Report is about, dude. You got to get some you got to get some diesel to manage some of the risk. However, looking ahead, if you can get through harvest, once we get to the end of, of December, usually the last half, sometimes just the last week, we get a break in diesel. And that's a point where I've observed that it's a, an astute place to buy. So s- something to think about there. Price is six cents higher, uh, but the highway diesel is down rather sharply. I think harvest demand is probably making the difference uh, there. But it's a it's a 16-point swing between uh, a 10-cent fall-off in highway diesel and a six-cent increase in farm diesel. Uh, I think that about covers it. Yeah. It looks good. Uh, I, I think we're in pretty good shape here. Expected new crop revenue based on December 24 futures, 840.78 as of the day these numbers were released. And so that puts anhydrous actually at a discount to expected new crop revenue uh, per acre based on those December 24 corn futures. And uh, the the nutrient composite index, all told, everything all together is a little bit above expected new crop revenue, about $4 above that figure. So we're all sort of in line here. Might not be a bad spot to uh, to look into filling some spring needs. Uh, National Weather Service, 6 to 10 day outlook. This will take us up through November 13. Near normal temperatures across almost all of the entirety of the contiguous United States. Looks like North Dakota is going to be slightly above. There's a V kind of through mid-Montana up across uh, into the Great Lakes of above normal temperatures. Other than that, everything is is expected to be near normal until you get down into Florida along the Gulf Coast. It's going to be hot. And uh, the below normal temperatures come in clear up in Maine. Uh, nothing to worry about in the central portion of the United States. Six to ten day precipitation outlook. Uh, the northern plains, call it the northern half of the United States, below average chances for precipitation. Flip it to the south there. You've got uh, above normal chances for precipitation with the largest coming into south Texas. On the 8 to 14 day, this gets us clear out to November 17 when the government may or may not shut down. 
We're expecting above normal temperatures almost across the entirety of the United States. That includes you, Alaska. Although the western part of Alaska will be near normal while the eastern side is above normal. The 8 to 14 day precipitation outlook, a band of dryness um, up across the northern half of the country, we'll say, and above normal chances for precipitation across the south. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to AgriTalk today and especially this afternoon. As I said, Chip will be back. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. He'll be back on Monday morning. Uh, he's planning a show that will make all of your wildest dreams come true. Don't miss it, Planet Earth. I'm Davis Michelson for AgriTalk.